0: Good morning, and welcome back to Emily in the Morning. This is the podcast on which I share my morning cup of coffee with a poem by Emily Dickinson, and I share that poem with you. So today, as you probably have noticed, we are off to a late start this morning, to the point that it is now almost afternoon. But nevertheless, um, we have a poem about the morning. Uh, today's poem is the one that begins, There is a Mourn by Men Unseen. There is a morn by men unseen, Whose maids upon remoter green Keep their seraphic may, And all day long, with dance and game, And gamble I may never name, Employ their holiday. Here to light measure move the feet, Which walk no more the village street, Nor by the wood are found. Here of the birds that sought the sun, When last year's distaff idle hung, And summer's brows were bound. Ne'er saw I such a wondrous scene, Ne'er such a ring on such a green, Nor so serene a ray, As if the stars, some summer night, Should swing their cups of crystallite And revel till the day. Like thee to dance, like thee to sing, People upon the mystic green, I ask each new May morn, I wait thy far fantastic bells, Announcing me in other dells, Unto the different dawn. So that's the whole poem. It's, uh, it's not too long. Um, there's just four stanzas. But in this poem, we're once again dealing with some beautiful images of eternity and a sort of a really naturalized, very interesting view of a joyous eternity. I wouldn't quite say heaven here, right? Because there's not that religious imagery that Dickinson uses in other places to associate with the more stereotypical concept of heaven. Um, but what she is doing here is she's blending that imagery. So let's take a look at how she does it. So the first stanza there is Mourned by Men Unseen, um... I love that having the first two lines, she makes a great play here. So she says, there is a mourn by a man unseen whose maids upon remote or green. So she's kind of making a contrast being like the men can't see it, but the women are over there dancing. So that's kind of a nice little, this little side on her part. Um, but the word seraphic, I just want to draw your attention to, that would be referring to the seraphim, one of the choirs of angels. So she's got that touch of religious imagery, but then the next word is may and this spring this image of a spring morning is the one that she's going to stay with throughout most of this poem um and so then what follows in the rest of that stanza is just talking about the dancing and the singing and the games and the holidays and it's setting us up for the next stanza which is very reminiscent of a May Day or a may celebration right so feet are dancing moving to light measure and this is again um you almost get a Maypole image here, right? We're dancing around, it's May, it's glorious, it's morning. But then we have these two lines, which walk no more the village street nor by the wood are found, which just reminds us and clarifies for us what she meant in that initial line, but the morn that men cannot see. Um, so everyone here is dead, right? They passed into eternity, as is often the case with Dickinson's poems. These are these feet, which are dancing in that beautiful May morning, are completely removed from the ordinary completely removed from the ordinary to the point where they're no longer even in this ordinary world and then she continues the second half of that stanza here are the birds that sought the sun when last year's distaff Idol hung and summer's brows were bound so what she's doing here is she's even intensifying that nature image saying this is the place where the birds migrate to when they're all when they all go in search of the sun this is where they find it we get um, the image of light being not only eternity, or but joy, in this case. And she likens it to summer in the last line. And the distaff is um, what you use for spinning if you're spinning by hand. Usually you'd have a distaff and you would pull and twist the threads for you. So it usually symbolizes just work in general, so no work all summer. And then in the next stanza, we get her view of it. We see that she, the poet, has been here and has seen this, um, which is often the case in Dickinson's poetry, right? She says, I've been essentially to eternity and come back, and now I can, I've had this vision, and I can tell you about it. And so that's what she describes here, her vision. "Never saw I such a wondrous scene. And so she's just marveling in the fact that she saw this and she understood it. And she now has this great longing for it. And it was like if the stars on a summer night lasted all day long. It's all the joys of day and of night all at the same time. And then the final stanza, we get her longing to be back there again. And this is, again, common when we talk about eternity in Dickinson's poetry, which is what saves it from being morbid and makes it rather intensely hopeful. Because she's seen eternity and she wants to go back, right? She wants to be there. And so that's what she these these bells that she hears every every morning in May, she hears the bells, could be referenced to church bells, but these are far fantastic bells, more like fairy bells. And she wants these bells to announce her into that new dawn. So again, we've got a great image here where there's a hint of the funeral bell, which announces that um, someone has passed on, right? But she's wanting that. She's saying, I want those bells to announce that I'm joining that wonderful and amazing dance. So that is all I'm going to say about that poem. Hopefully you found it hopeful rather than morbid. Um, And I will talk to you again tomorrow.